Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I really appreciate everybody for tuning in, and thank you to everybody who's been reaching out, wanting more information about the Cool Things Project. That is the group coaching program, the community that I've been working on and and talking about for three months, and we actually got to the point where we've been able to launch it. We've got a couple of people signed up, and we're about to start this ball rolling. So if that's something you've been interested in, jump over to TomSinger.com. Go to the About button and pull it down. You'll see a thing that says Group Coaching Program and get yourself signed up. And we're going to start uh, trying to talk to people and get a community going of people who are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, even intrapreneurs, people who want to kind of do their own thing and are creating their own path. So I'm excited about the enthusiasm. We have a small but enthusiastic group of people on board, and we're about to launch full steam. So don't dilly-dally because once we get started, we're going to close it down for six months so it's just that community. Uh, So that is uh, the thing about the Cool Things Project. I'm going to jump right into today's show because I'm really excited about the topic. We're going to talk a little bit about interns and why interns kind of have always gotten kind of a bad rap. And my friend Mary Baird Wilcock is looking to revolutionize how people train and work with interns. And I'll tell you just off the off the top, a couple of years ago, we worked with an MBA college student as an intern, and we actually paid the college to have the intern, and the whole process was a disaster. And I'm sure if you looked up the intern, she would say it was a disaster from the standpoint that we got no value from it, and I doubt that she learned very much. So I'm kind of excited about what Mary is up to. And Mary is the founder and CEO of a company called The Simplifiers, which she was based in Austin, Texas, and I've known her for several years. However, she has gone expat on us, and she is living in the United Kingdom and taking the whole world by storm. So Mary Baird Wilcock, welcome to cool things entrepreneurs do. Thank you so much. What an intro. I wish you would just follow me around everywhere I go and just talk <laughs> like that. That would be amazing. That's right. Every time you enter a room, hey, everybody, Mary Baird Wilcock is coming in and she is taking this party by storm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, what you were talking about earlier, it's so sad but true that that's a story I hear all the time where there's interns that go into an internship program and, you know, with good intentions. And so also the mentors go in with good intentions of training their people. But in reality, what happens is a little less than disappointing. I mean, it it just becomes something that neither party can really fulfill and get as what they want out of it as well. Well, I'm looking forward to chatting with you and finding out about this exciting project you're working on. But first, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your background, what the simplifiers is, and then we can sort of trench into this this program that you're working on. Yeah, sure. So I started the Simplifiers um, back in 2003, and specifically as an events management company. So producing large-scale events, um, corporate events, weddings of all shapes and sizes, and the types of clients that would work with the Simplifiers were really looking for something different. So we specialize in what we call non-traditional events. Um, so the type of clients that would hire us would be like Facebook or Google or Microsoft or Intel. Um, and the brides that would hire us would be people that wanted anything that didn't look like a boring everyday hotel ballroom wedding. Um, so 
over the years, you know, being a simplifier, and we kind of tongue-in-cheek joke about being undercover superheroes, we, we simplify people's lives. Um, what I found at running a small business like that that turned into a pretty decent-sized business over the years is that we needed to bring interns on ourselves to help manage the workload and also to become a recruitment arm so that we could hire in event planners uh, very quickly, um, paid, of course, uh, to come onto our team. So about eight years ago or so, I started the Apprentice Program as our in-house training program, and simply as a way to bring interns onto the team and train them from A to Z with everything that we do with our business. And one of the core fundamental values that I had with starting that internship program internally eight years ago was I did not want my people to be fetching cups of coffee or pushing paper or sitting there kind of twiddling their thumbs and not being engaged. Um, that was a huge point to it. So I, I knew if I was going to take interns on, I really wanted to train them, open the books, and show them exactly how we run our business and how we produce events. So you, you did that internally, but now you're sort of spinning it out. So what is the apprentice program, and what are you working on that goes beyond just what the simplifiers do? Well, and that's a, what's been so fascinating over the years. So, um, you know, we started eight years ago. Gosh, over the years, we've mentored 80 or so people um, through our in-house training program. And for years, now, other event planners, my competitors, people all over the U.S. kept asking me, hey, Mary, how do you do this? Like, I don't understand. Like, how have you, what are your secrets to putting together an internship program? Spoke at a few national conferences within the events industry and, you know, did all that. And so I realized there was a, a major need especially in the events industry, to build something uh, for other people to be able to use. And so basically what the apprentice uh, program is, is it's a social network that is online that allows event planning companies and others uh, in the events industry to tap into a global network of mentors and share information, best practices, and training videos um, plus a whole other suite of e-learning tools to help them train their interns um, using these online and in-person tools. So basically what we've done is we've pivoted our company. Uh, while we do produce events still um, here in the UK, we also have moved into the e-learning space and, and online training and created this product for other people in the events industry. So really quick, kind of off on a sideline, what caused you to move from Texas to the UK? <laughs> I always answer the question, uh, it's the weather, obviously. <laughs> Clearly, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I wish that was the truth. It's pretty dreary you and really, gray. You uh, really love fish and <laughs> chips? I mean... <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, my husband is British and, you know, we knew years and years ago that we'd spend a season over here in the UK. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is now that we're here, we've been here about a year and a half now, I've moved the business over here as well and started up a, an office over here. We still have um, a small office in Dallas as well. Um, it's fascinating, the entrepreneurial market here, especially specifically where I'm at in the East Midlands, that is so um, nurturing and welcoming to entrepreneurs to, to relocate their business here. So it's a it's an incredible place to be. And for me, we're running now a digital business 
literally I could be anywhere in the world as long as there's strong Wi-Fi uh, involved. <laughs> well, that is one of the advantages to being an entrepreneur, you know, is that you can move where you want to move, right? Absolutely. So I think the next office should be opened in Belize or Costa Rica. <laughs> Honolulu would be a good choice. Uh, yes, I'll go with that. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that after this episode airs, you'll share it with all of your entrepreneurial friends there in the UK and we'll end up with a whole new audience for cool things entrepreneurs do. So welcome to all our new British, our new British listeners. Absolutely. It's a great network over here and I'm more than happy to share it. So I know that uh, on the day that this, show's, this show launches, you will have eight days left in your Kickstarter program. Yeah, so we launched a Kickstarter um, at the beginning, well, it was actually middle of January, um, in line with, I spoke at the special event show conference uh, earlier this month, and it has been incredible to see the response of people who are backing our campaign and believe in the product. Um, and so we, you know, at this point, we've raised about two thirds of our goal. So we, we have a little bit left to go of about $3,000 or so to, to raise to hit our first funding goal. Um, but what we're really aiming for is our stretch goal of $25,000. So I feel pretty confident, maybe a bit um, of a a, a dynamo and and excited about hitting that stretch goal, but I think we'll do it. Um, And that allows us to build out a little bit more of the whiz-bang features, the e-learning games, and potentially make the product white-labeled so the people that buy into it can have their branding on um, the skin of the, the training so it looks and feels like their own very slick in-house training program. So that's what I'm really excited about. So a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, have heard of Kickstarter campaigns, but most of the people I know have never done one. So what has been the the biggest learning that you have as you've been sort of launching the apprentice program and trying to get part of this expansion of it funded via Kickstarter? What have you learned? Oh my gosh, I could talk at least two hours. Well, <laughs> we're a thirty podcast with thirty minute about, show. Thirty minute yeah, show. I think so. so here, here's my big three takeaways for you. Um, the very first one is it's a lot of work. Um, so, and you know, somebody had said to me, "Gosh, you know, running a Kickstarter, it's a lot of work." And I said. <laughs> No big deal. I'm an event planner. That's what I do. I, I'm a project manager. I manage things. I, it, no big deal. Yeah, hard work, hard work is your middle name when you're in the events business. Come on. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. So really, the very best tip I can give you is um, go out there and search for um, online training uh, courses or podcasts, just like yours, Tom, that um, specifically talk about the ins and outs of running a Kickstarter, because it's amazing how much there is uh, involved in that. Give yourself at least three to four months of prep time before you launch the campaign, um, because you're going to need it to shoot the video, to get your rewards all lined up, to get your copywriting all squared away, and making sure your value prop of what you're saying is, and the messaging is all aligned, Um, and putting all those pieces together. Um, and the second thing is don't assume that once you put your Kickstarter and you press the, the go live button that, you know, big sacks of cash are just going to start running in. <laughs> like, you know, you can't just sort of launch it and, you know, go off to the beach. Um, it's just as much work to run the campaign while it's live as it is to do the prep work the three to four months prior. Most Kickstarter campaigns run anywhere from 30 to 45 days and you set that time limit for yourself depending on how much you think 
you need. Um, but you know, literally you have to run it as if it was a sales and marketing campaign because it really is. You're doing pre-orders of your product, um, and you are tracking your lead list and you know, you're setting up an editorial calendar to track what is, what are you talking about on your blog on any given day? Um, and you have to really run it. Um, and with as much ambition and, and enthusiasm and, um, drive as, as you would a normal sales campaign as a, as a small business owner. So let's get back to the topic at hand, which is interns. So as I mentioned in, in the intro, we reached out and got a, a MBA level intern from a, you know, not a top 10 school, but a pretty highly ranked MBA program several years ago. And the whole process to me was just a waste of money. We paid several thousand dollars for the, you know, the honor of having said intern and we remotely managed the person. So that might have been part of the problem is we were not in the same city. However, in the end, I needed a person who could kind of be a self-starter, and I thought an MBA student from a top business school would be able to do that. And the flip side of what sort of happened is that person didn't do anything right. I had her do a research program where she basically cut and pasted things from my own website. It's like, I know about what's on my website. You know, <laughs> I, I wanted some competitive uh, analysis, not pictures of competitors' websites. And so it really was, I, like I said, I think it was a disaster. So what do you have to do when you're looking at, you know, what are the best practices in hiring interns? For sure. Um, and, you know, this is one of those hard things, but um, I think that there's two parts to this equation. It's A, hiring the right person and really how to drill down in people's resumes and CVs and to find the right person on paper and um, narrow it down to the people you interview in person and, and look at those, those things. And then also, once you've got that magical right person, doing the right steps um, while you've got them in the internship. So the right steps in my mind are having a, some sort of set training curriculum um, that you follow and set the expectation and the flow throughout the whole internship. Training on the fly just doesn't work, in my opinion, regardless of what industry you work on. You can't just sort of say, oh, well, we'll just wing it. And, and you've got to have some sort of set curriculum. Where were, and, you, where were you four years ago when I said, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just wing it. She's an MBA student. We'll figure it out. Yeah, she's smart. She, she surely could she figure it out. And, you know, that's the shame is that you assume that, um, you know, a smart intern coming into the table, you know, will will be able to wing it. And to a certain extent, yes, su super smart people should be self-starters and, and take initiative and, and all of that. You don't necessarily need to spoon feed your people. However, I think you have to have some sort of basis of framework to work with them um, just so that they are clear of expectations from you and vice versa uh, as well. So I know that when you're working with, you know, especially in the, you're starting off with this for interns in the events industry, and then you're going to take it to every industry. But when you're working in the events industry, I mean, it is fast paced. I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be a professional, you know, in that events business. But I got to tell you, whether you're the speaker, whether you're the lighting person, the sound person, transportation, hoteliers, you know, meeting planners across the board, it is a fast paced energy and things are changing all the time. So if you're using interns to help you in a business where things are like, boom, 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 change, change, change. Oh my gosh, we got to go. Hey, how do you manage and empower a team of interns in that situation? Totally. So this, the, the research that we did prior to launching the product last year um, was staggering. We interviewed hundreds and hundreds of event professionals um, all over the U.S. And what we found was 75% of the event planners we talked to had no sort of set training curriculum. So they were hiring interns, but then sort of winging it and or giving them a book 
or saying, hey, just shadow on site at the event and you'll you'll pick it up along as you go. And for me, I think that that's shocking and also a bit scary. So the U.S. Department of Labor has very strict guidelines on what you can and cannot do with an intern in America, regardless if they're paid or unpaid. And one of the things about the U.S. Department of Labor is that you must provide them a rich training curriculum and um, environment. And that if you don't, the intern can sue you. And you Google search class action suit uh, intern, and you will come up with hundreds of different um, lawsuits that are currently being won by interns right now to very large corporations like Viacom, CBS, Donna Karen, you name it. So in the fashion industry in particular, this is a huge problem. Interns that are being hired and not actually getting any sort of training. They're they're organizing you know closets of clothes or you know doing kind of grunt work and things. And so here's the other part about the events industry that I think is really interesting. So there are 335,000 event planning firms in the U.S. alone. Um, the wedding industry is actually bigger than the auto industry in America. Um, oh, my God. Would you wait, wait, wait. Planned. Say that it's again. Great. Say that again. The yes. weddings business is what? So, the wedding industry is actually bigger than the auto industry in America. Wow. There are. 8 million weddings that are planned. I want to say it's like $12 billion that's being spent every single year just in America alone in the wedding industry. But the thing is so shocking is that those 335,000 event firms, most of them are one to three person small businesses. So they've got a lot of buying power, but they don't have a lot of manpower. So they, they really rely on bringing interns in to help them, you know, handle the, the, the workload that they've got. Um, and they need to have, you know, access to, to new young talent that they can hire on at a moment's notice for paid work um, to help them run those events. So we want to be that stopgap that helps those people train their, pe- their interns and their new hires easier, faster, better. So why should we band together and support your Kickstarter campaign? Why should everybody be part of this revolution for interns? Well, to be quite frank, I think it's been the time is now. Like it's, I think a lot of people in in the workplace really have either had a horrible internship experience themselves, and are just like saying enough. Like we've got technology on. behind us now to be able to quickly shoot video, upload it to the cloud and put it onto our software. Whereas say three or four years ago, our our smartphones really weren't capable of doing it as lightning fast as you can do now. So the idea of being able to create a crowdsourced social network that people can shoot videos. So say like Tom, you're really good at budgets and you could shoot a quick two minute video, best practice on budgets upload it to the cloud onto our system and share it with a a network of mentors all around the world. So let's say Sally over here is really great at event design, but not so great at budgets. She'd show your video to train her interns and vice versa. So I just love the idea of creating a platform for people to connect and to share their best practices and training and all of that. Um, And then what we do as the simplifiers is we help facilitate and curate the best of the best of the of the training that's pushed out into the platform and build out the rest of the lesson plans. So build out the um, homework missions, the pop quizzes, anything that's related to the topics of um, the education that, that people are pushing out to the system. Well, this sounds really exciting. I'm, I'm excited for you, and I can totally tell the passion in your voice to make this really be kind of a really strong offering. 
Well, thank you. And, and you know, what's interesting is that I started to dive into um, what's out there already in the online training and e-learning space. And for me, it was quite shocking in that there's there is lots of stuff out there um, in the events industry and outside, but quite frankly, felt a bit outdated, um, like a, a glorified PowerPoint. Um, and I just know that the technology exists and we've got some great software developers that are helping us kind of build some really cutting edge stuff. Um, and we're, we are really at this point, knock on wood, um, first to market as to building e-learning and online training tools that, that serves both the intern and the mentor simultaneously. Well, Mary Baird Wilcock, you're doing really cool things. And I want to ask you some more questions about sort of your entrepreneurial journey. But before I do... It's time to thank our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Mary. So if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do because those are a lot of the emails that I get from listeners to this show or how do I go about starting it. And my recommendation always is jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for our audience. So Mary, what led you to becoming an entrepreneur, to starting your own business? Did, did you do that right away or did you work in corporate America first? Well, my story is a little bit interesting. So um, when I was a kid, my parents actually are entrepreneurs. And so well, as a kid, I never understood why um, all of a sudden, you know, on a, any given Tuesday in the summer, we could just go off to Six Flags Over Texas or we could just go and, and flit to a vacation just in a moment's notice. And I was like, wow, that's so cool that my parents can do that. And all my friends are in daycare or, you know, after school clubs and things. Um, and, you know, I, that having that as a set as a tone, um, you know, as a child and growing up to have parents who are entrepreneurs makes a big difference. Um, now I will say this, my parents also would sometimes work at 10 o'clock at night or, you know, on, on the weekends or things like that, as we all do. Um, but that really started the, the influence to me about how I really just didn't want to be a nine to five, live in a cubicle, do the same thing day in, day out kind of worker. I just, Never saw that for myself as, as my life. And I did work a little bit in corporate um, America, specifically in a cubicle um, in <laughs> early on in my career, and quickly realized, yeah, yeah this is definitely not for me. Um, so, yeah, I, my my career actually started off in commercial radio, uh, surprisingly enough. Um, I worked in all aspects of commercial radio, sales, marketing, promotions, and then later was a, an on-air DJ for a while. Oh, that's kind of cool. No wonder you're such a good interview. You've done this before. <laughs> this isn't your. It, this is not your time. first podcast, is it? <laughs> no, not, oh, not I, quite. I, I feel so cheap. Uh, I, I thought it was your first time. <laughs> um, but what I realized in radio was, and radio was fun. Definitely my early twenties, uh, a really fun career, but also one where uh, it is exhausting. <laughs> I worked at an alternative rock station. So imagine going out to nightclubs and concerts <laughs> and doing all that, which is great in your 20s, not so great in your 30s and beyond. Um, so I, I think from there, I realized my love for live events and you know producing large-scale events. And that's what spawned me off to um, start the Simplifiers. So what do you absolutely love about the life of an entrepreneur? It sounds like everything. 
Yeah, you know, my husband's an entrepreneur as well. Um, so I think that it takes a certain personality and a certain spirit. Um, I think that for me personally, I, I'm a very driven person and I, I have goals, you know, on an annual and quarterly and weekly and daily basis uh, that I, I just, those are the things that, that get me excited in the morning and having a, a different workload every single day also are what gets me excited. Um, if I had to say what my personal superhero power is, the thing that I love the most is connecting people. Um, I hate networking in the traditional sense of it, but what I love to do when I'm at a networking event is when I meet new people, figuring out a way to connect them to somebody else in the room. Uh, and I make a game of it. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, those are the little things that I really, really love to do is figuring out ways to connect uh, others. And that's everything that the Apprentice Program is all about is connecting people globally. Well, I've got to interject because when people say they don't like networking, it's really the fact that the definition of networking has gotten messed up in our society because the actual definition of networking is creating long-term and mutually beneficial relationships between two or more people where everyone involved you know, succeeds more because of it than they would without it. So there's nothing, exactly. to, there's nothing yeah. to hate about networking. What you hate is sort of the schmarmy, schmoozy stuff that goes on at some of these events. Well, and I think that it's also when you find, when you meet people that all they really want to do is stick a business card in your hand yeah. and yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's um, not networking and that, though. And that's the end of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. If you're looking at a way to connect to other people and to have a long-term relationship with someone um, or help them along the way in their plight, that's where the, the secret sauce is, right? Totally. That's, that's what you want to achieve. Totally. And, when, and sometimes people go, oh, I hate those bad networkers who just shove the card in the hand. That Well, there's nothing about long-term mutually beneficial relationships in shoving a card in someone's hand. Therefore, that's not even networking. I don't know what it is. It's card shoving, but it's not. Right. You know, it, <laughs> or it's not networking. what about like people that you meet and you're having a conversation with them and then all of a sudden you see their eyes drift off to the next person in the room that oh. they want to talk to while they're talking to you? They're looking <laughs> to better deal you. They're thinking, who's better than Tom? What, can I look over his shoulder? Oh, there's Mary. I should go talk to her because she's way cooler. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's about the worst thing. So don't do that. Don't do that. So what advice do you have for somebody who's listening to this episode? And a lot of my listeners, you know, they want to go be entrepreneurs. They're, they're driven. They have that, that spark, that spirit inside them, but they haven't taken the leap. If someone wants to do this and they're listening and they think, I can just hear in Mary's voice, her heart just comes through. What advice do you have for them if they want to go that same path? Um, twofold. I think that one, you need to surround yourself with a tribe of people who look, feel, and believe in things like you. Um, so like you were saying earlier about your coaching program, that's exactly what you need, um, is that you need to be able to surround yourself with people who get it. Um, because I think once you, for, I don't mean to offend, but if you, you put yourself in a room full of people who are nine to fivers who love the security of their little cubicle and the five tasks they do every week, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Why would you want that life? I don't get it. You know, and, and they're going to kind of push it down and be very negative. Um, so I think that when you start surrounding yourself with other people that, um, you know, get what you're after and get the, the entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, um, it makes a huge difference. And it also gives you an accountability buddy um, to help you along the way. The other part about it is um, doing your research and you know being part of either an association in your sector 
that helps you plug into the other key players in your market or um, you know finding online training um, resources out there. I mean, Google is amazing, right? Can you you can literally Google anything <laughs> right now, and whatever you need is is right at the fingertips of your computer uh, right now. Well, and you were talking about getting yourself you know around the right people. I mean, and and. Then you talked about joining, you know, the something in your trade association. That's the reason I got so involved with the National Speakers Association long before I was really earning my living as a professional speaker is if you're not around people who are really doing your business and if you haven't made friends who get it and who are out there like carving that path, the hardest part is as people, our brains tend to fill in the blanks. And if there's a lot of blanks, our brains make stuff up. I see people go into industries all the time with a set of assumptions that – are simply wrong because they haven't been around anybody who has the right mindset and who's actually out there doing it on a day-to-day basis. So your your two pieces of advice can often be looped together because if you get involved with an association, you know, in that arena, you're going to be around people who are doing it and have that mindset. Absolutely. And, you know, I also want to point out, because um, it actually dovetails really nicely, is that don't assume that an intern is somebody who's aged 18 to 21 years old. Uh, I've certainly had interns and apprentices that have worked for me that are, you know, mid-30s, late 40s that are doing a mid-career shift or maybe they were a stay-at-home mom for 20 years and and now they're ready to get back into the market and and work as a career. So don't think of, you know, interns being somebody that's just in college or, you know, just out of school. Um, You too could be an intern for somebody and learn and mentor mentee under someone who um, you want to aspire to and and learn to grow from. I think that's the best advice I could give. God, and I haven't thought about that, but that is true. I mean, a lot of people who I talk to, one of the reasons we started this cool thing this cool things project group coaching thing is listeners were looking to make career changes. And a lot of them wanted to make that career change to be a solopreneur and, and do more things like that. So the idea came from people who were like, why don't, why don't you put together a group of people who are doing what you talk about on the show? And that, that's where I got the idea, but I never thought that, you know, a great idea for people additionally is go intern within that industry. Even if you're 50, who cares? Go find an Without internship. Without a doubt. And, you know, some of the very best apprentices I've had have been uh, moms who are entering back into the marketplace. Very best. Because you know why? They've got a little bit of maturity under them um, and they've got um, commitment. So, you know, they're not going to flake out on you in a month from now. So they are when they sign up for something, even if it's literally 10 hours a week, they are in it um, through the long haul. Well, Mary, you are full of great ideas uh, for everybody. Now, I could talk to you all day and find out all (laughs) the cool things that Mary is doing. However, I think the best entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask my guests, who is it out there that you see where you say, wow, they're doing something cool? Yes. So one of the ones that I'd love to tell you about is called Zapper. And it's spelled Z-A-P-P-A-R. Um, and they have got this new app that I believe they are a UK based company that basically create augmented reality experiences. Um, and their team is incredibly sharp. So if I can explain to you in a, um, a visual way here, so you know how you have QR tags, um, at, you know, usually they're on name tags at conferences and things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So they create their own little kind of special QR tag. And when you um, zap that, basically on your phone or your tablet or whatever, your screen will become 4D. 
and you will have an experience that pops out of your screen. I know that sounds a bit sci-fi, but it's <laughs> something definitely to check out. Um, and I love it because it adds a whole other element to your live event experience. You could do a scavenger hunt at a conference um, and find the zapper codes all over and help people connect with each other. Um, they are using it in online training and education um, where you can zap a, a, a kid's book and the book comes alive and speaks to the kid and, te- and talks through the, the words and things. So it's a really, really cool thing. You should definitely check it out. Zapper.com. Z-A-P-P-A-R. That is it. Yep. Awesome. So the final question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because in addition to being great observers, I think entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. They, they, want, to, they want to help people. So what are you involved with? Yeah, so I actually volunteer um, with a thing called the Arches Project here in Nottingham, England. And, you know, when I found out about the Arches, and I'll send you the link on this as well so you can check it out, it is mind-blowing what they're doing. So Nottingham is a fairly small city, about 350,000 people here. And um, just recently in the news, um, they have said that they're going to allow uh, in 20,000 Syrian refugees into England over the next five years. And I'm sure that number will grow as well. But the Arches here in Nottingham is our biggest goodwill or savers, like a thrift store, right, uh, in the States. Well, it's like that. There's a huge 20,000 square foot warehouse full of bedding and furniture and housewares and clothing and all that. But here's where it's different. It's all free, 100% of it. So people come in, say like refugees that are um, you know, coming into Nottingham now and don't have anything except for um, the housing that the council uh, provides them for free. Um, they come into the arches and they say, okay, what do you need? And they give them everything, beds, mattresses, furniture, a kettle, clothing, you know, what have you. And not, they don't not only give it to them for free, they put it in a van and they deliver it to them. And then they take it off the stairs and then they install the bed and the mattress and, and put it all together. And it's all 100% free. And I just think that that's such an incredible um, nonprofit. Uh, it's about 90% of it is run completely by volunteers who all work unpaid, just like myself. And uh, I work in the restoration department, which is such a nice departure uh, from my everyday crazy manic <laughs> life of an entrepreneur. Because <laughs> the restoration department is all about restoring uh, pieces of furniture and using my hands and, and slowing down with life. And also what's a nice... Um, Part of that is that in the restoration department, the woodworking department, I also mentor um, some clients as well to help them kind of relearn woodworking skills, to help them get back out into the the workplace and and have some skills they can put on their CV. So, yeah, the arches blows me away every week that I go there and volunteer my time um, to see how many people they're impacting uh, like that. Well, I love to ask that question because you find so many different wonderful causes that are out there in our world. So thank you for volunteering with the Arches because that's just – that's cool. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I want to tell as many people about it as possible because it's something that can easily be replicated in any city anywhere, um, and it's such a cool thing. Excellent. So Mary Baird Wilcock, if somebody is listening – and they think, I've got to know more about Mary. I've got to know more about the simplifiers. I need to know about the apprentice program. Where do they go to find more about you? You bet. Um, well, the Kickstarter is live for another nine more days. Um, so if you simply go to theapprenticeprogram.com 
forward slash Kickstarter, um, you'll go straight to our Kickstarter page. And I should say for those um, that are not listening in the UK, or, um, the Apprentice program is spelled G-R-A-M, but if you're you know somewhere else, G-R-A-M-M-E still works as well. Um, and yeah, you'll be able to see our video about our project and read more about the various reward levels we've got. Um, you know, people are backing us anywhere from $500, or sorry, $5 to a thousand dollars and what we're finding is that entrepreneurs are backing us um, mentors people who use the product are backing us as well as students and we just love to see the support out there well and i just love it when anybody backs anybody even if it's just a couple of dollars because it really does add up just you know having that support sometimes it's five dollars comes with five million dollars worth of good vibes so exactly just showing support for what people are trying to do goes a long long way well mary baird wilcock thank you so so much for chiming in via skype from the uk i gotta say nottingham england's gain is austin texas's loss because you were a delightful member of our community here oh you're so sweet thank you so much i really appreciate the support sure well i hope our paths cross again and to everybody who listened check out what mary is up to because it is cool stuff Thank you for listening to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Mary. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at @TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.